Welcome back, Looney listeners. This is episode 23 of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. We are in 2018. I'm one of your hosts, Ray. And I'm your other host, Connor. And this week, we are covering the long-awaited, to be reviewed on this podcast, Moon Knight 190, as well as a bevy of articles to keep you guys entertained for this episode. So sit back, relax, pull your issues out, and get your conch on. Happy New Year, Connor. Happy 2018. Yes, happy 2018. And I hope every uh, loony listener has had a great, uh, you know, Christmas holidays or... Uh, yeah, whatever sort of holidays you want to celebrate, and I hope uh, if you're lucky enough, those holidays are still ongoing for you at the moment. Oh, oh yeah, I'd I'd love to be still on holidays, but um, I had I had a great break anyway, and uh, yep, we're back refreshed and rearing to go. I can't wait to get into this, Connor. This is um, um, timely because it is the the latest issue of Moon Knight Volume Nine that we're going to be reviewing this this episode. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about on it, don't we? That's for sure. This issue has kicked up, sorry, quite a storm on the internet. Um, very, very divisive. A lot of, a lot of pros, a lot of cons from varying people. So it'll be uh, interesting to crack in, uh, crack into that. And we've got plenty of uh, listener feedback as well to get plenty of takes on this um, hot issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't wait to get into the um, the loony feedback. Uh, we got we got quite a lot, and it's um, yeah, it's really interesting to to get people's thoughts. Um, also, it'll be interesting to hear your thoughts, Connor, as well. I know that we've we've had a, a little chat ourselves of what we thought of the. The, um, the issue 190. Uh, I've, I've listened to a few podcasts as well. Uh, I've heard their take on what they thought of, of 190. So it, yeah, it certainly is a um, an issue that has been kind of singled out so far in in, in the uh, the three issue run for the latest Moon Knight as something uh, that yeah will divide the fans. But um, before we get into that, or you know, all exciting stuff. Um, yeah, Connor. I mean, oh, I, sh- I should ask as well. Like, how was how was your break? How was the um your Christmas and New Year break? Yes, they were absolutely fantastic. Um, yeah, plenty of relaxing, plenty of hanging out with the fam, plenty of comics, all that good stuff. What about yourself, Ray? Yeah, it was um, it was really good. A, a perfect opportunity to catch up on like old runs or classic runs, as well as the. Uh, uh, you know, I had a little bit of a pile on my, um, on my, you know, the current comic stuff, so was able to kind of to go through that as well. So yeah, a lot of reading. So very happy with that. Um, I, I um I dabbled in uh tried to dabble in a bit of drawing as well. You know, the, obviously I was getting a little bored um, <laughs> on the holidays, um, but I thought I'd give it a go because you know why not? It's a bit of fun. So I, I went to the library, got some um some really good books actually on on how to draw. Like draw comics. There was one by um by Brian Hitch. Are you um familiar with him, Connor? Yes, I am. Yeah, actually. yeah. Wow. I I wasn't um yeah. I, I actually didn't know didn't know him. Um, but uh, his art speaks for himself, and his um he, he has got a really good book on just you know stuff like uh, laying out your comics, um, uh, the human figure movement, uh, clothing. Uh, it's, it's quite interesting actually, and and um and it I guess it makes you appreciate. 
uh, how skilled these masters, like these artists, are that in the comics that we read. Um, uh, they produce them month in, month out, or, or you know, uh, and uh, they make it look effortless. But uh, we always take for granted as well. Uh, you know, we might just skim through a panel and uh, and not realise, I guess, or not not be aware of how much time went into it. Uh, so yeah, it, it was really good to kind of get a um, behind the the scenes kind of look from from that point of view. Um, yeah, so trying to trying to sketch throughout this year, kind of that's one of the um, the New Year's resolutions, if you can call it a resolution. Uh, did did you uh, did you set yourself any any um any goals, any comic related goals? Um, uh, I do a I dabble in a bit of um comic reviewing, so I'm hoping to get better at that. And as someone mm-hmm. who has seen Ray sketches, they are already quite brilliant so it's exciting to uh see them evolve over the year and i'm hoping he'll be posting some mooney ones up on our uh, facebook group oh. into the night of moon night fan base yeah plug. oh yeah, no, yeah thanks for that connor as well i mean that's you're too kind um it's still a long way i'd like to to see hopefully if i keep at it um what day 364 and 5 will will give but yeah keen to keen to post up on um our facebook page uh, into the night and and also yeah, um, throw it out there to all the other loonies as well. I know some of the loonies have uh, have posted their post, uh, not their post, have posted their art um, uh, up on the page, and it's uh, it's really fun to see and really good. So uh, it's a, it's a nice encouraging community, and um, and there's a lot of talent on board as well. So uh, yeah, I'm I'm going to try and do some um, post some up when when I can, and uh, yeah, uh, loonies out there, please send yours in as well. Right. Also, as well, I've got a little thing on the notes here, Connor. As well, like uh, we always kind of ask, um, you know, what else have we been reading, like over the break and stuff. I thought um, I'd, I'd put it to you as to, let's just say this week, what would your what would your pick be, like issue wise, um, or what you're reading at the moment. Um. So, I have sneakily read ahead a um press review copy of Bloodshot Salvation by um, Moon Knight alumni Jeff Lemire, and that issue really consolidated this new um, new sort of, a new part of Jeff Lemire's saga is just like one of my favourites going in the moment, it's so, so tense, so dramatic, so violent and icky, it's just got all the good stuff for Bloodshot and just so much incredible and emotional Lemire writing that just get to the core of a character and their emotions and just uh, break your break your little old heart. Oh, that's fantastic. That's been an, an awesome run at the moment, and that's uh, from uh, Valiant Comics. Um, for loonies out there not familiar, Bloodshot's one of, one of the, um, uh, I guess, the core, core books um, from that publisher. Really cool. And, and if you're aware of Jeff Lemire, obviously, um, he his quality is right up there. So, yeah. Awesome! I can't wait. That's um, yeah, that's coming out this week, so um, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, I'll have to. I, I can't deny. Um, it's it's another Valiant comic for for my pick of the week, um, and I, I'd give it to Secret Weapons. Um, this was last week, sorry, mind you. Oh, uh, yeah, Secret Weapons Zero, which was the uh, origin of Nikki French, one of the um, Secret Weapons, uh, and that was oh man, that was just so good. I think that kind of sums up everything that a 
good comic book or great comic book should be. And I'm just amazed that uh, Eric uh, Heisera is, is, is still kind of relatively new as a writer in comics, but he just nails it. And the art is brilliant as well. I can't speak enough of that. But yeah, Secret Weapons Zero is a big, um, yeah, is, is a big uh, thumbs up from me. And uh, yeah, you read that as well, Connor? Yep, absolutely adored it. That miniseries was a, definitely a top five for last year. Mm. So if you guys just want a great sort of, you know, superhero teen sort of just, yeah, you know, plenty of action, plenty of good feelings, just search out Secret Weapons. You will not be disappointed. Yeah. Also, re- just beautiful art in every way, especially beautiful. the colours. Yeah, the colours. all to life. Exactly, and and the layouts as well. It was very um, it was very um, well thought out. I thought here uh, for Secret Weapon Zero, uh, and yeah, and and they, I think they're going to continue with other origins of uh, of like the other characters as well. So, uh, looking forward to that. Um, and yeah, the voices that um, Eric Kaiser gives to the characters, I think, are very well developed, like very well dis- uh, rounded out and distinct for each of them. So. Um, in contrast to uh, some of the comments coming up <laughs> with Moon Knight, but uh, yeah, yeah. So Secret Weapon Zero is great. Uh, all right, Connor. Shall we? Um, shall we have a little dabble into the news as to what has been uh, out? I guess uh, in the world of Moon Knight. Why not? Let's crack on with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So I guess first we have. Uh, well, no particular order here. Uh, one of the things was uh, someone did some fan, I guess, what computer generation of uh, of what Jake Gyllenhaal would look if he were uh, Moon Knight in in his costume, and uh, this was this was a bit of fun, you know. I mean, it's it's just a bit of of um, fan fun here, but uh, yeah, Boss Logic, sorry, on Twitter he posted this up and he said uh, worked on a Jake Gyllenhaal Moon Knight. Um, and I hear rumours of a movie, but I'd much rather a series for this dude. And uh, yeah, two pictures here, Connor. Um, what, do you, what do you reckon? Do you reckon it suits him? Well, first of all, just about um, Boss Logic. I'm sure quite a few have heard of him. He, he uh, does a lot of this stuff. This is sort of his um, main push, sort of these, um, yeah, I suppose you say photo-generated, like sort of yeah. makeups that, you know, get posted online and posted to something else and people all of a sudden think it's a real poster. So, right, Because okay. he's quite um, great at making them. But uh, I love what he's done here, but I also think it... Uh, as great a picture as it is, it does sort of stress, you know, what we're saying about Moon Knight's costume definitely needing, like, the shelvy take or a bit of a mm. Netflixified look because it, it, it's just kind of... You just almost couldn't see a character like that suit brought to life running around on screen, like, yeah. now in sort of 2017. Uh, uh, yeah, I have to agree. I mean, it, it is very evocative what Boss Logic did, and, and I was actually unaware of, um, of what... Uh Boss Logic did, but uh, yeah, I'd have to, have to agree. It's it's very evocative, but the um like if you look at the cape and the hood, it's a very idealized way of, of how it sits. You know, I reckon in reality, in the TV show or the movie, uh, if this was a costume, uh, it wouldn't kind of sit as as uh, perfectly as that. And it, it you know we're talking about sags here and there, and 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 uh, it's actually quite difficult, I guess, to to maintain a hood like what Moon Knight has um has 
Uh, I'm sure the costume departments could do could do wonders to kind of strengthen the edges to maintain that kind of. He's got that little dip at the front, right? Which is um, which kind of was uh, synonymous with uh, Houston and Finch's run. But uh, yeah, maintaining that kind of hooded shape. Uh, had you ever watched? Um, did you watch Assassin's Creed, Connor? Um, with, yeah, uh, yeah, with um, or Fastbender. No, I didn't see the movie. Actually, I have played the games. Oh, okay. Because I'm just wondering how, like, because that's a hooded character, right? I'm, I was wondering how um, he looked in the movies. Because if if he can pull it off, then I'm sure Moon Knight can pull it off. But I, I'd agree with you. I think uh, the Shelby costume would probably be the way to go. Which is uh which you can't really get a sense of here anyway. This is kind of like just a, a head head to chest shot. But uh, yeah, interesting. Um, yeah, what, what have we got next here, Connor? Well, something that's always made a buzz on the internet and something we've all craved. Uh, last year, um, Greg Smallwood put up a little um, oh, yes. sort of fun concept art for a Midnight Sun series. If you could ever do one, it uh, made the rounds plenty of times and we were all in love with it and all very much wanted to happen. Mm-hmm. Well, um, just before the uh, end of 2017... Um, Greg Smallwood decided to drop us a little treat and gave us an updated look at what he'd want this uh, Midnight Suns crew to look like. So very similar to the look of the first um, first image we saw, just with some more added characters. We've now got um, the Punisher in there. Mm-hmm. Looking really Doctor badass. Doctor Strange, I believe, was new there. Yep. Uh, and then you got you got Damien Hellstrom. Um, Moon Knight and Blade, who were there before, right? Uh, and yes, uh, yeah, Ghost Rider. Yes. I bought yeah. the original, actually. Yeah. And there's this uh, that character Hannibal. Is it Hannibal King or something? I'm still unaware where he kind of hails from. But, uh, yeah, this this is exciting. And it has been kind of around for for a bit. And um, uh, one, of, one of our guest narrators, actually, um, on the podcast today, uh, Daniel, who... who um, you know, uh, keeps, you know, speaks to, to Greg Smallwood and stuff, says that, um, yeah, he, he's, Smallwood has consistently been trying to to get this off the uh, off the ground. And, uh, yeah, so he sent this as well, which is which is really cool. He sent all those um, individual um, shots as well, didn't he, Connor, which was really, really good as well. I'm yeah, not sure. Wee. Well. Are you okay? Oh, no. <laughs> Um, yes, uh, so, anyway, apart from that, a cat's now entered the room. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was just saying as well, we got, um, plenty of character yep. profiles as well for all these, including another character who isn't actually in the poster, Jennifer Kale. Yeah, she's like a, sor- yeah, a sorceress or something. Um, but this is really exciting because, uh, you know, Smallwood has obviously been you know, working on this continuously and trying to get it, uh, trying to get it out there. And uh, you have uh, Doctor Strange's latest writer, Donny Cates. He's kind of all on board as well, and his presence on Twitter is quite, um, quite pronounced. Like from what I from what I see, he um, he's quite active on Twitter, and uh, he he showed some interest in this. And um, to have those two together, Connor, I think would be brilliant. Oh, absolutely! I think. 
No one in the Moon Knight fandom doesn't want this series to happen. It's just gorgeous. Smaud gives it such a, a that detailed flair. I think that's his own colours on it as well, which is so yeah. evocative and this perfect this perfect supernatural blend. And Donna Cates has definitely proven himself on the Doctor Strange title. And oh, absolutely. You know he'll be taking on Damnation as well, which will feature plenty of these characters to show just how good he'd be on this title. So. I think it's a surefire win if Marvel ever wants it's published. I'm not sure why they're just sitting on it. Yeah, and I think a little bit of a smart move here by, by Smallwood to introduce the Punisher. You know, get get on that Netflix Punisher success uh, train, uh, and, and rightly so. I mean, that was that's been a great series. So why not include him? And and he's he's quite well suited to these uh to these essentially mystical but but street level um kind of uh, characters, except for Strange, of course. Um, but um, and Ghost Rider, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah, now very exciting stuff. I think. Um, let's just uh, cross our fingers and hopefully something will turn up. Um, which also this reminds me, Connor. I was listening to a podcast today and uh, it was announced. I think it was it must have been announced in the new year or just before new year. But did you hear about the uh, creative team for uh, for Shadowman on uh, Valiant Comics? Yeah, that was. Oh, I've forgotten the name. It's, it's Andy Diggle Andy and an Diggle. artist who sadly isn't Greg Smallwood. Oh. As much as the uh, his preview of his art does look fantastic. Yeah. Oh, I thought it was. I thought it was Smallwood. No, no. It's a completely different artist. Oh, okay. Because on the podcast I was listening to, they were saying that it was um, Smallwood. And I was thinking, oh, wow, Ripper. That's that's really good. Oh, okay. Oh, we might have to just double. Yeah, I might just double check that. Uh, whilst you do that, Connor, I'm going to keep these loonies entertained, and I will move on to our next um, article, which uh, was one from uh, Star 2, and it's one that, you know, we, we can never always fully escape, well, Moon Knight can't escape, and, and it's a um, comparison again to to Batman. So I'm just pulling this up now. It's uh, slightly slow, the internet. Um, there we go. Uh, and this is, yeah, I think this is, um, look, nothing new in this article here, Loonies, but it was. it's basically uh, a real uh, a real rundown just of Moon Knight, the character as a whole. So uh, if you're new to, to Moon Knight um, and you want to kind of get a sense of what he is, uh, then, yeah, just check out this article. Uh, I'm sure many of the loonies are well-versed in Moon Knight's, uh, Moon Knight's history, but it does go through it all. It goes through, uh, basically, it looks like it goes through all the volumes. Uh, it goes through Bendis and Ellis as well towards the end. Um, yeah, so it's just a bit of an interesting read. Um, not essential if you know your Moon Knight stuff. And look, oh, they misspelled Conchu as well. So, <laughs> so um, yeah, it's, uh, it, it is uh, a nice little summary. But um, if you're a, a big fan, then it's probably nothing that you haven't heard before. Yeah, it's kind of like an advertisement for new readers. Mm. But it does, of course, have those dirty words. <laughs> Marvel's answer to Batman's oh. title. Title being Moon Knight, Yuck. Marvel's answer to Batman. It's 2018. It's 2018. And we're starting it off by still getting those comparisons. Oh, Obviously, yeah. the writer doesn't mean anything buying it. He's just using that as a selling point. But To draw people in. Can't Tra- escape it. You cannot escape it, which is bloody terrible. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. I've just got to turn something on. 
Awesome. Yeah, so um, did you manage to, to dig that info up, Connor? Uh, yes, it is um, Valiant Mainstay for a while. Um, Stephen uh, Segovia, I believe that's how you pronounce it, ah. will be the artist on this, with, he, who is a great artist. But, yeah, um, he's pretty good. Yeah, sadly it seems that Smord is just doing promotional art or possibly covers. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Although... Valiant small arcs with artists could possibly mean that Smallwood may take over for a couple of issues or something. We just don't know. But at least for the for the first arc, sadly no Smallwood. Yeah, no Smallwood. But Segovia, the incredible teaser we got last year. Yeah, 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 for sure. Well, you know, I'll be happy with um, with covers for the time being, and Segovia is no slouch as well. So, um, so that that's pretty cool. It just goes to show, loonies, that's uh, that's what you get for for listening to. Uh, Believing podcasts. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I was listening to it and they told me something else. So, anyway, uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, so, uh, we've also got um, just a few more other articles here. Oh, I'm sorry, Connor. I'm just raring to, to crack into this issue. Oh, um, but <laughs> no, no. But like, uh, but you know, I just want to kind of tick off these things. Um, which actually is, is this is quite good. Um, one of the articles here uh, from IGN was the 19 most anticipated comics of 2018, and um, one of them is I believe it's I believe it's Damnation. Yes, uh, Doctor Strange's Damnation. Yeah, yeah, which um, should be an awesome ride. I, I just just um, saw on Twitter. Connor on the way home today, Donny Cates. Oh, actually, no, Rebecca, I think, um, our, our third um, our third identity. She um, posted up that Donny Cates had, uh, had said, he posted, he tweeted something saying, this is the music that I'm listening to while I'm writing Damnation. And uh, he said, you know, if anyone familiar with, well, with metal happening in DC, um, let it be known that Damnation is going to be, you know, heavily metal laden as well so um yeah so i'm just getting I'm, I'm getting quite excited by damnation coming up just around the corner and what it will bring to the mystical corner of the um of the marvel universe i think it'll be pretty cool yeah i've said it before but i'm just hoping like the cosmic abnett landing annihilation or whatever kickstarted it I hope it was annihilation or it might yeah, be not, conquest. Yeah, not mm, kind of yeah. get mixed around, but yeah, just sort of how. Hopefully, this event will be a new kickoff, a sort of new status quos and new changes in the supernatural. But I'm also mm. just so looking forward to it as a, a nice sort of contain. You know, some tie-ins, but you know, just a nice strong five-issue event that's just going to be, I think, pretty crazy, full of powerful and violent characters, and just going to be, I think, mm-hmm. just good old supernatural action to the max and i do love metal let that let that be known and mm-hmm. plus that means that hopefully donny cates will create a oh, accompanying yeah. playlist for the event which is That'd always cool. fun yeah it's always fun um, marvel used to do that I, I haven't checked spotify lately but they used to do um they used to ask uh, artists i think it was more artists to uh to provide playlists to um to the, the the books that they're working on, I don't believe they've done it recently, but that would be really cool. I um, I've also really liked Jeff Lemire. Um, did one for his Royal City, uh, on Image Books, and and he still does, I think, for each um, I think for each issue, Connor. 
Yeah, every issue, a new playlist. Yeah, which is so cool because uh, there's nothing better than having a bit of a soundtrack to a comic book that you're reading. Uh, and you're also, you're right, Connor, it, it, it is more of a supernatural angle, not not a mystical, but um, yeah, uh, it's, it's yeah the, mystic, the supernatural corner of the Marvel Universe. Um, be excited to see how it expands. Um, yeah, so with that article, there are a few other um, titles in there. Um, just in case you're interested, I guess it's Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man finale. Um, people are looking forward to that. That's that's out in March. Um, as I quickly flick around, here's one that I really like, X-Men Red as well. I'm pretty keen to see that. Um, so looking forward to that. Tom yeah. Taylor's uh, only Wolverine has been great. And it'll, oh, he's so exciting to see him tackling more characters from the X-Men universe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but also, you know, other um, non... Non-Marvel things. I see your Flash War. Are you into the Flash, Connor? Um, I wouldn't say I'm not into it, but I certainly okay. am not doing well at keeping mm. up. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, uh, it's kind of me. I, I do like Flash as a character, but I haven't exactly been following him. Um, yeah. So that was uh, that was that article. What have we got next article, Connor? Uh, for our next article, we have a um, fun little um, just sort of celebration of all things comic book art with uh, mm-hmm. sci-fi's um, yep. top 30 comic book artists of 2017. And on it, we have, of course, the renowning, the resounding, coming in at number 12, although I don't think the list is totally ordered, maybe, Greg Smallwood, no. the absolute superstar. He's yeah. had a great year. He... Um, Finished off with the final two mind-blowing issues of um, Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight. Um, sorry about that. Mm-hmm. He's been running around doing great issues of um, single issues of Amazing Spider-Man, uh, the Drax Guardian of the Galaxy issue. Yeah. Doing plenty of covers, mm-hmm. variants. Oh, he's been great. He's like been consistently he's plenty great. Plenty of plans. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it's great because of someone of his caliber, he gets to pick and choose what project he wants. So uh, I guess that's a dream position for any, any artist to be in uh, because you always, obviously, initially you have to get your foot in the door, but uh, you know you've kind of made yourself uh, uh, into quite a comfortable position when you can actually pick and choose what projects you want to do. Um, there are, like, Raoul Allen, who does Secret Weapons. I think he's awesome. He's on this list as well. Um, there's just a heap of really good artists at the moment. I like a lot of... Um, a lot of valiant artists, Connor. I mean, um, Tomas Giorello, I think, is a absolutely fantastic artist. Um, you got your Louis Larosa as well. He's consistently good, and and I uh, do like my boy as well, um, Miko Suyan, who's um, hails from the Philippines. I know there are a couple of Filipino loonies out there, so shout out to you guys. Um, but yeah, yeah, there's um, Greg Smallwood's in in good company here um, in this top 30 list and it's a big list but it's um i think it's it's uh it's pretty well pretty well covered joelle jones she comes at number nine and i love her art she did a really good issue mm. of scarlet witch and it oh, it was just fantastic um yeah alrighty. so we've got just one more article to go through which had some connection to moon knight <laughs> And uh, this was 10 superhero artists to watch in 2018. And this was um, published by comicbook.com. And, uh, yeah, we've got um, 10 or so artists here. Jo- oh, there we go, Joel Jones again. Someone to look out for, Sarah, Sarah Pacelli. 
fantastic artist on Spider-Man. I'm not sure what she's doing now. She might still be doing that, Connor. Possibly. No, Maybe. that finished no? a couple of weeks ago. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, she's she's fantastic. I love her stuff. Um, oh, yeah. Erica Henderson, the Squirrel Girl. Christian Ward, how can we not mention him? He's fantastic. Um, doing great things. He's kind of really resurrected Black Bolt. Um, then you got Gabriel Hernandez, oh, yeah. Walter, yeah, as well. Who, who, for me, was a the. I mean, I don't know how long um, he's been out, but was a breakout with with the Vision, which is really cool. And uh, now doing great on um, Kate's Doctor Strange. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I thought I saw yeah Walter around, and and did really good work with Occupy Avengers as well. Just previously before oh, that, yeah, which was pretty cool. And uh, again, yeah, just our. our um, Moon Knight alumni Greg Smallwood, uh, again, is an artist to look out for this year. So he's had a bumper 2017, and it uh, looks like he's got a big year this year as well, Connor. So um, plenty, of, plenty of good stuff for, for those that have worked on Moon Knight. Yeah, well, I was um, just coming off the back of the top 30 best comic book artists of 2017. Um, here I was thinking, um, you know... Next year, we'll probably be seeing Jason Burroughs on that list, hopefully. Oh, yeah. And I was hoping, uh, seeing that article next, he'd be on the top 10 superhero artists to watch out for in 2018, because I definitely believe he is. Oh, yeah. He's, yeah. Uh, exactly, he's, wasn't there? Greg Smallwood, always deserving, though. Uh, always deserving, yeah. But I'm sure Burroughs will get accolades. Um, well, you know, we'll see. He's still very relatively new, 2018, and uh, he's cutting his teeth on Moon Knight, so he's got a great platform to to show his wares, and, and he has so far. Um, but, yeah, only three issues in, so, um, yeah, we'll give him time. I'm sure he'll definitely make his presence known. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all good. So, I mean, those were the, the articles um, we found, loonies, over the last couple of weeks. Uh, nothing too, you know, w- Connor and I were always on the lookout for, um, in particular, you know, um, possible TV or movie rumours, but that's kind of been pretty quiet. Uh, but it's it's good to good to see some of the Moon Knight alumni doing doing well. Um, yeah, onward and upward after Moon Knight. Right. That is hundred percent for sure. But I think it's time we go over the moon. <sighs> the real showpiece of this issue of this episode whoops well <laughs> we are cracking on to now the uh the uh as i said before long awaited to be talked about and uh just um heating up the uh chat rooms and fa- mm-hmm. uh the group of um the internet and moon knight fan base uh is uh, issue 190 with once again returning uh our man on the street fellow loony and Ben Eric of the oh, show, yes. Tommy Lemire Cowell, to take it away with uh, <laughs> his bare bones of Moon Knight 190. Well, actually, Connor, that's funny. Just before we get into that, I was about, like, we didn't discuss these loonies, but I was about to make that same joke as well. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> I was about, you beat me to it. I was about to say, hang on, Connor, I have, a, I have a conspiracy theory, and I believe that there is no such person as Tommy Cavill. I reckon... That, you know, I reckon that's a catfish thing. You know, all those pictures, it's not Tommy Cavill. It is actually Jeff Lemire because, uh, as, as Connor, you've alluded, uh, Tommy slash Jeff's writing for The Bare Bones has been phenomenal. 
So, yeah, we're, we're so glad to have him again. Um, but before we say that as well, I mean, added to that is um, Tommy slash Jeff is not actually narrating it. We actually have two guest narrators, fantastic friends of the show and um, and great podcasters in their own right. We've got Daniel and Joe from Geek Street Podcast. So these guys, I've been wanting to get these guys on for a long time. So um, absolutely stoked that they've agreed to, uh, yeah, to give us the bare bones. So um, so we got kind yeah, of like absolute, a... a um, so, yeah, just to say absolute superstars. Yeah. They've got, a, they've got their own great podcast and they've been um, a part of, uh, you know, this sort of um, Into the Night back when it was just a Moon Knight Facebook yes. page. Yeah, yeah, Daniel. Group. Yeah, exactly. Daniel's a huge Moon Knight fan, um, and these guys also they love their DC stuff. But uh, yeah, um, buckle in, loonies. Uh, we've got a good fifteen minutes of um, the bare bones. Take it away. Hey, Looney listeners, what's up? This is Daniel. And I'm Joe. From Geek Street Podcast, we're going to do the bare bones from Moon Knight 190. Crazy runs in the family, part three. As most of you know, this is written by Max Beam and it's penciled by Jason Burroughs, inked by Guillermo Ortego? Ortega? That looks that sounds good. Ortega. I, I like that. And then Matt Lopez is on the colors. Um... So, let's just dive into the bare bones of this issue. Let's do it. You ready? Yeah, let's go. We open with a summary of Mark Spector's recent history and issues 188 through 189, Spectre has at last achieved some degree of control over his multiple personalities. Well, he thought he had, until a villain who called himself the truth looked into Jake Lockley's thoughts and saw a secret he kept hidden from Mark. After piercing the truth with two crescent darts to the eyes, Jake merely rendered the truth unconscious before Mark could learn what he saw. But secrets aren't the only cloud hanging over Moon Knight's head. An escaped mental patient with power over fire and a perceived connection with the Egyptian god Ra is coming for Moon Knight, and he's enlisted the help of Mark's old nemesis, Bushman. We cut to four landscape panels of pure action. Action. For. Not for, but from. The Sun King's past. In one, Rome is in flames, and first century patrician. What is a patrician? A very wealthy uh, person person from those days. Oh, see, I don't know words that I don't know what they mean, so. Anyway, a patrician falls underneath the blade of a white-clad assassin. In the second cut of the white knight preparing to plunge is spear into the back of an orange-clad prince. The third panel jump to the Wild West as a masked vigilante blows smoke from his revolver. A rival duelist. Yeah, this is a panel. Which, by the way, I loved this panel. I thought this was a great Yeah, this is good. A rival duelist lies dead in the street. The fourth, a Crescent Dawn agent, flanked 
by GIs held hostage. The suicidal Sun Crest leader of a Hydra unit. It's hard to miss the war between the Sun King and Moon Knight has lasted for centuries. The war between Ra and Khonshu has been fought since the gods themselves walked the earth. We learn that the Sun King has been narrating, speaking to a crowd of Moon Knight's victims under the leadership of Bushmen. We don't know who these men are, but they are clearly an audience. Sun King is ready to end the cycle of failure of Ra's avatars. Now, blessed by fire himself, Sun King isn't like the failed avatars of past. Ra himself speaks through Sun King's fire. Bushman, a bit unsure of himself, rouses the troops. He admits to those gathered he is no longer the fierce mercenary who left Spectre to die at the foot of Conchu's statue. All he is now is a crack dealer. Y'all got any more of that crack? <laughs> Out of his prime. Chappelle show? Yeah, that's good. He's scared. He's terrified of Mark Spectre, but Bushman has an ace up his sleeve. He knows Moon Knight and he knows his weakness. Too cowardly to act on his own, if backed by the men gathered, Bushman tells the crowd that Sun King can use this weakness to finally defeat Moon Knight and exact revenge. Moon Knight will never take a piece of these men again. The men cheer. That was good. Thank you. There's dozens gathered in a warehouse. Most of them look like goons and hired thugs, armed to the teeth with blades and assault weapons. But no one's special. No one like me or you, Joe. Yet, one wheelchair-bound merc, actually there is one like us, up front oddly looks like Mark. Is that? No, not a chance. Randall is dead. And another hooded figure in the back has shaded eyes. Almost as if he didn't want you to see them. He's smiling, not cheering. No, he can't be. I missed some of those details when I read it. That's interesting. Yeah. Good catches on that. Yeah. We're thrown into a cosmic boxing ring. Mark lands a gnarly left hook on Jake Lockley. Hit him with the left, Rock. Hit him with the left. Jake's blood has already painted the mat. No, this is Mark's mind, where Stephen Grant grabs the ropes like a concerned skipper, and Khonshu watches pensively and, casu and casually breaks the fourth wall. Mark and Jake trade insults within the irregular panels. We switch to the inside of a synagogue, and then a cliffside, Mark high kicks Jake into the depths as Khonshu's cloaked statue looks on. Finally, the two are placed within mighty stone pillars. A pyramid dominates the background, 
A massive chain floats in the hazy sunrise heavens above. Above, the two trade insults and plan their next moves. Mark accuses Jake of hiding something from Mark. Spectre is clueless to the truth. We move to a pleasant scene in an urban park. Mark is meditating. An aged woman walks her dog behind him. Mark blurts out Jake and Mark's dialogue. They're fighting in his mind. The woman books it. We cut back to the Egyptian mindscape. Stephen tries to quell the fight, but Khonshu calms him like a father speaking to his child. Oh, that's sweet. All, all the while, a massive Eye of Horus has replaced the sky chain seen only moments earlier. Mark slices Jake with a massive crescent blade, and Jake relents for a moment. He reasons with Mark. He says that Stephen is the benefactor. Khonshu is their connection to the bigger picture. Jake deals with the leftovers, but Mark is the voice of reason. After all, Mark built the personas this way. Mark and Jake cease their fighting and, convert and converse. Jake insists Mark trust him. Mark relents. Stephen and Khonshu embrace. An orange-tinted sky makes the suburbs glow. Sun King knocks on a door. Marlene answers. Sun King poses as a charity officer out collecting donations for a joint disaster relief fund. He compliments Marlene on her name and smiles like a hippie messiah of issue 188. Marlene doesn't bite on his compliment, but trusts him to wait at the door as she grabs her checkbook. So he does. Is Marlene Mark's weakness? As Marlene returns to the door, check in hand, Sun King bleeds off the pages of the final panel. Eyes aflame as he screams, now, 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 now! I'll have what he's having. <laughs> and I'm spent. Bushman and crew enter the home as Sun King shows a framed photo of the former mercenary. Bushman seems pleasantly surprised. Marlene is ready to fight back. She hints that she's protecting something or someone. Bushman tempted Marlene to call Moon Knight. Again, we change scenes. Moon Knight is embroiled in a warehouse fight with some of the same goons addressed by Sun King only pages earlier. Khonshu narrates speaking to us and tells us of Mark's inability for proper socialization. Mark is too busy kung-fuing societal detritus and here Khonshu tells us that he is fighting disabled gentlemen. But Moon Knight talks back to Khonshu. He tells Khonshu to stop. Khonshu's comments are too dark even for Moon Knight. Mark's cell phone rings. Conchu pleads with Mark to avoid the call. Mark is a danger to Marlene. He picks up anyway. The ascending panel cuts between Marlene, Mark, and Sun King. Marlene tells Mark that she misses him and there is something special. Or they were something special. Marlene seems tempted to warn Mark of the intruders in her home. But Sun King whispers a threat over her shoulder. Mark zooms to Marlene's in his crescent-shaped moon copter. It's like the bat plane. A flashback. 
a serene scene. Mark and Marlene are floating in a dinghy through pleasant waters. Marlene admits her attraction as Mark picks up in media res, explaining his history to Marlene. Marlene's questions give us a review of Mark's past. We learn that Mark was a mercenary. Mark's brother killed Mark's girlfriend. Mark killed his brother with a grenade. Mark fought in an illegal boxing match, or a plural, illegal boxing matches. Marlene is enthralled. She's committed to him. This Mark guy's a crazy cat. You know, I don't know if people know this, but Moon Knight's pretty crazy. Yeah, but he's interesting. Yeah, the most interesting man in the world. Back at Marlene's, Mark is at the door dressed to the nines and flowers in hand. Bushman hides on the stairs with his finger holding back his men. Marlene seems distracted, but Mark is just happy to be with her in her home, no less. But then Mark sees Sun King. Sun King introduces himself as Barry. Mark throws a BG insult at him. Beautiful. Yep, staying alive. Sun King dominates the dialogue. Marlene is silent. Sad. Barry tells Mark that he and Marlene are in a relationship. Not only that Barry knows that Mark is Moon Knight, all the same, Mark clutches a sharpened crescent dart below the table. Blood drips down the arc. Sun King lies to Mark and says that he has slept with Marlene, but there's more. That made me think of uh, the Barry Gibbs talk show. <laughs> talking it up. Uh, on the Beringham Talk Show. Such a good sketch. We got crazy cool medallions and crescent darts. Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Back to Moon Knight. Back to Moon Knight. As Sun King's eyes flick with flame, he insinuates that Jake Lockley, too, has been with Marlene. Contry warns Mark to drop it. Turn back, turn back now. Suddenly in Mark's mind, a giant vampiric Mark, dressed as Moon Knight, stands over Jake looking for blood. Marlene breaks down. She admits her relationship with Jake. Lacking any contact with Mark, Marlene turned to Jake Lockley like a drug. She craved a partner, but Jake could never replace Mark. Regardless, the deed had been done. As Mark embraces Marlene, a voice off-panel cries in pain. Turn to the page. A little girl stands in tears, Bushman holding her in place. The girl takes one look at Mark and asks, Uncle Jake? What are you doing here? Marlene is crying, looking for a response from Mark, but Mark's face is obscured. Who can say what his face shows, what he feels as he looks upon the teary-eyed girl with mismatched socks? Well, we know he feels one thing, a desire to protect the innocent of the night. Sun King, Bushman, they won't escape justice. They won't escape the vengeance of the Moon Knight. Swear to me! Yeah! Oh, Mark Spector. Your Bane is better. Anyway, we hope that was uh, as much of a struggle for you guys as it was for us. We really 
enjoyed jumping on here. Yeah, um, it was fun to talk about Moon Knight. Yeah, I mean... The last couple issues have been a lot of fun. Too. Yeah, these guys know what they're doing. Max so. Bemis, uh, Jason Burroughs, having a good run. Yeah, we, we greatly appreciate you guys letting us on. And uh, keep on being loony, guys. <laughs> so, thank you, Geek Street Podcast, for, for that uh, epic rendition. And uh, a big thank you again to our man on the streets, Tommy Lemire-Cavill. Uh, Connor, my gosh, that was a that was an epic retelling again. It was yep. it was like an audio book. Once again, just as uh, just as epic as uh, and funny, yeah, as you could possibly want. <laughs> exactly, uh, I love it how the guys um give it their own touch. So, um, yeah, thanks uh thanks Daniel for for slipping in Bane there as well. I <laughs> uh, really do like the impersonation. Uh, anyway, anyway, Connor, as always. Okay, this is a big one, um, but what would your, I guess, takeaway, what would your takeaway impression be of uh, this issue, 190? A whiplash, I think, was the first thing. So I was sort of almost in a state of shock, almost entirely reading the uh, this issue and just how sort of different it became from the two issues before it and just how many new directions Bemis peered off of and it definitely took me a second reading to to calm my thoughts I guess mm-hmm. um, there's definitely a lot to dissect as we've uh, made abundantly clear but uh, I think it's definitely an issue of pros and cons I think there's a lot of there's a lot of really solid ideas uh, ideas that um, Bemis has put in place in this issue but I feel that some of them didn't quite have the execution to pull through mm-hmm. and make this issue as enjoyable as it uh, could have possibly been, and I don't think it's as, as strong as the two issues before it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I uh, first time I read this, I was I was a little disappointed in this in this issue. I say only because, um, and I think you've touched upon many of the the points there already, but I guess it, it's distilled to to one thing, and and I think it's the fact that it is such a different book in tone. Um, than the first two, uh, so it kind of left me a bit confused because if we were to look at the first issue, that really to me that that is a tone setter. It sets it and and not having Moon Knight there and and building this this story for um, for Patient eighty six, and then in issue two you do get the introduction of Moon Knight, so you start to see him in uh, in this environment and um, and the introduction of the truth as well. All very kind of um, serious stuff, uh, a bit of humour in, interjected as well. Uh, with this issue 190, I felt it was, uh, yeah, I felt I th- there were a lot of lot of ideas put in there, which is um, and and some of them we'll get to as well. Uh, 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 fantastic, some twists, um, but I felt it was just riddled with with these ideas and um, potentially needless ones as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I've since read it again and. Um, and yeah, I still have uh, the same feeling. I'm, I guess, I'm not a fan of, of this, this kind of way that Moonlight has been um, steered towards. But, uh, but you know, it's still early days. So, um, so uh, yeah, I guess kind of what we uh, and what we usually do um, for those who are listening to us for the first time, we will give. Um, four aspects, four main aspects about the book, and we'll discuss them. Uh, any particular notes or any things that, um, that stand out to us, 
and that will be followed by um, some crescent, ra uh, crescent dart ratings. So um, with this such a big issue here, Connor, uh, like we, we spoke a bit off air first that uh, we, we're just going to do this on the fly for aspects. Um, can I have your one then? What would your first aspect be for this for this book? Oh, there's so many to pick from. I think I'll <laughs> um, hit us um, with uh, possibly um, something that's definitely been talked about, probably mm -hmm. mostly in a negative light, is that uh, the f straight from the first page, we know that um, Conchu has had many avatars before Mark. Mm. And so has Ron. They've been locked in a battle over time. I mean, we've sort of always, I guess, assumed that Conchu had more avatars before that just makes sense for being who knows how old but a very visceral page to introduce this concept and a very comedic one so yeah mm. what did you think about this uh sudden plot addition yeah this uh this lineage thing um yeah look uh i um i went back and forth with this at the beginning i i kind of i, I hated it because uh look it's been done really with um, with Black Panther, Iron Fist, uh, Ghost Rider, this this whole thing about there being some uh, continuing lineage to it. And and actually, having said that as well, um, I've been trying to get into a lot of Matt Wagner's Grendel, which was the first kind of um, Dark Horse book, um, which kind of does this thing. And for me, when in the '90s, that was kind of like an eye opener. Uh, since then, it's been done numerous times, and then to see Moon Knight have it done to Moon Knight, it's like oh, you know. Here we go again. On the flip side, as you say, it is totally logical, I think, um, that this happens. I mean, it would be just my opinion as well. It would be silly to believe that that um, Conchu hasn't approached people before in the past um, to, to be the avatar of vengeance because it, it does seem to be like a mantle. So there is, you know, it, it makes sense that there is out there. Um, like a lineage. Uh, if you just look at the the four of them, we've got ones, I guess, in Roman times. Uh, you got ones uh, during the the uh, the knights, uh, the Crusades. Uh, then you have a Western Moon Knight. Then you have it looks like uh, World War One or Two, a Moon Knight. Um, and to me, the last two are, are kind of problematic in the sense that um, they seem to be more and more common. You know, uh, more and more frequent. Like. If, if you're going to do it, I reckon just space it out. Like, haven't met in the Roman times. Have a have a 1 million BC Moon Knight, you know. That would be pretty cool. Um, have, a, you know, the Crusades. But we've got a modern Moon Knight, which is the 20th, 20, 20th, 21st century. We don't need another one, like, so close to, to it, like, with uh, with the World Wars. And then if you look at the, um, the Wild West, which is, what, 1800s? Um, it's, uh, yeah, so... So anyway, that was a uh, that was my take on it. Um, uh, but having said that as well, uh, look, if it's just contained and it is in this issue, it's, if it's just contained and quickly explained in this one page, um, then I'm pretty happy with that. And uh, as long as they don't build a whole, you know, a whole arc or a series around it, um, yeah. What, what do you reckon, Connor? I um. Definitely agree with that last statement. I'm not sure how much it'll play into the rest of the run. So mm, yeah. what I definitely gathered is um so this sort of four panel introduction to the the idea of avatars before is um to give viewing to um the truths um 
No, Sun King, sorry. Sun Kings, yeah. Still get those confused after all that uh, pre-issue hype, mm-hmm. pre, uh, pre-series hype, <laughs> all those spectulations. Yes. Uh, the Sun King's sort of narration about Moon Knight and mm. sort of giving justification to why he wants to, um, you know, finally take down Moon Knight, finally destroy Khonshu once and for all. Um, and I, I, th- I definitely like that. And I think it sort of... What I said before about execution and about that tonal whiplash is that these, this sort of grandiose sort of throughout entire history just sort of, to me, wasn't given the correct weight. Mm. It's very comedic, you know, two of the panels especially are just sort of making fun of, like, the Crusader one has, like, Ha, Worst Night Ever, and the, yeah, yeah. it's a cheesy Western one, and the yeah. the Wild Wild West, and the, I think that's Bemis's own fun, enjoyable spin on it. Um, yeah. You know, I think that's how he wanted to present it, but it, it just... Yeah, I just suppose going from the the previous two issues, starting out like that, it just it just didn't quite sit right immediately. And I yeah. certainly, I, I certainly, especially with what you said there, and just rereading it, it definitely sort sort of sits better with me. But even still, it just doesn't feel entirely executed yeah. how I wanted it, which is very subjective. Yeah, yeah, well, of course. Yeah, I mean, we all have our taste, and there's you know there, there are you know, merits to each and all of them as well. Um, you know, like you say as well, the voicings, and, and we'll get to that a bit later, that that was the, one of the main things that put me off as well. Like, even the very first panel in the Roman times, you have the Roman Moon Knight speaking as if, uh, look, it's like like that, don't you? you Patricia, look, um, it's speaking very modern. So it kind of was off-putting. Um, and, and as you say, the next panel of him, you know, worst night ever. So the, the voicings to them really don't seem to match and look i understand if, if it's what bemis wants to do then um, of course he's a writer he can do whatever he wants but but for me personally it, it doesn't really doesn't really um work or really appeal to me that sort of um that sort of thing so uh yeah and look just you know, finally just to go with what you're saying connor as well i think this was a really quick quick way of um of kind of building this eternal battle that these two face you know the 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 sun king versus moon not the moon knight um but i felt it's not i mean it's not particularly necessary because i think it's insinuated in the name anyway that like i think you didn't have to spell out that you know they have fought you know continuously throughout the ages um for me and we're covering also in our modern run uh, the Resurrection War, Connor, where there is an ancient war between Konshu and Set, you know? So it, it's dark versus light. And what Munch does there is, I think, sufficient, you know? Uh, he, he kind of, he mentions um, that it's an ancient battle and it's, it's an eternal struggle, and he kind of leaves it as that. And for me, um, the takeaway from that is that, okay, these guys are, are mortal enemies, you know? They've been, they've been around the block you know, forever. Um, I don't really kind of, you know, need it spelled out to me. Like, um, you know, in these different eras, they're still, they're fighting. So yeah, I found this first, um, I found this first page, they could have actually done without it, I reckon. So uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Um, but you know, the art is great. Um, so <laughs> um, yeah, we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, so I suppose with that closing off, where do you want to kick off your first aspect? 
Yeah, okay. So the other aspect, uh, the other main, I guess, first aspect of this issue, um, and I'm just going through it now, would be um, the, I guess, the conflict between Mark and Jake Lockley, which, which is what this whole issue is kind of centred around. Um, so Bemis has kind of set up that Jake Lockley is, uh, you know, the darker aspect of, of Mark's identities, all, all the bad, grubby stuff that Mark doesn't want to deal with. He's created this identity in Jake Lockley, and Jake Lockley's, you know, so he's basically bad to the bone. Uh, and anyway, so there's um, the main thing I think that runs through this book is uh, is this struggle between, in particular, Mark and Jake Lockley. And uh, so, yeah, we, we see them um, fight on the, on the mental plane um, through various uh, settings as well. Um, and what, I guess, what um, comes of it is that there is a, a truce of sorts um, in, in that, you know, Jake says, look, you've got to trust me. Yeah, I know you don't really like me as a guy, but, you know, we're all part of the one person and you made me for a particular reason. So he kind of reasons with Mark there and uh, and there is a level of closure kind of uh, midway or in the first third of, of the book. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think that, that was, uh, I mean, one of the important aspects of this issue kind of because um, it, you know, it rears its ugly head towards the end of the book. Uh, yep. Yeah. You there, Connor? Sorry, yeah, yeah. I just I, I just sort of lost you there at the end. Ah. I didn't quite get your last point, sadly. I'm not sure what's going on with the internet. Oh, okay. Um, no, I was just basically saying that they kind of, in the in the first third of the book, they kind of, um, they kind of make, uh, they have a truce, I guess, um, Jake and, and Mark. So, uh, these are the two identities, I think, in Mark's, um, uh, you know, Mark's set of, of identities that seems to be the most problematic and uh, yeah, it, it rears its head at the end um, uh, you know, this this tension between Mark and Jake um, so yeah, I mean, that was, this this is one of the main drivers of, uh, of this issue uh, which, um, you know, I thought is good look, I, I don't mind that um, look, and it was established uh, in the previous issue as well I don't mind that Jake is kind of like the loose cannon and and, and uh, you know, slightly more violent than Mark. Um, it is strange because Mark is also, you know, he is the mercenary um, aspect of of, uh, of their identity. So, you know, he's not, um, you, you know, he, he's prone to violence as well, or he, he's seen violence. So it's an interesting match. But um, no, I, I, I thought the uh, the tension between the two was was a pretty good way that Bemis is used to. Um, to get some sort of conflict within the mind of Mark. 100%. And I think, um, I think I like, I, I think the main thing is I still very much like the writing of all three of these. Mm -hmm. I love, um, I love seeing these three interact. I love the, um, boxing and battling match inside, inside, um, Mark's own head. I mm -hmm. think Mark's got such a distinct, uh, personality. Um, you know, Stevens, Stevens, and they've still like set Stephen up as um, Stephen up as, you know, the sort of kind, gentle side of Mark, as we saw as his best friend in the in the Lemire run. And mm -hmm. I liked as well that Jake Lockley got 
a bit more character in this issue than just, you know, crazy man who takes over, um, crazy violent person who takes over, you know, the battling and throws crescent darts at people's eyes. Like, I didn't quite like that character race in the mm-hmm. last issue, but this issue sort of makes him more, you know, still makes him very Mark Spector-like. You know, he's still yeah. got that chill side of him. He's very... He's still got a lot of those, you know, that bit of charisma, yeah. that street smarts, but also very seedy. And as we saw later in that issue, very seedy and still very um, dark, mm. I suppose. I, uh, I, I think... Was, I think was going to be. Ooh. Yeah, I, I think that's important because, um, look, essentially they are the same They are the same person. So there, there would be, and there should be similarities, as different as their identities may be. Um, so if we look at the voicing again... I didn't mind too much that um, they kind of sounded similar because, you know, they are the same guy, essentially. It's just um, these identities are being generated from the, the one person. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, Konshu and, and Stephen Grant take pretty much a back seat um, in this issue. Uh, they're, they're pretty much just observers, I guess. Uh, although Konshu does, um, does speak to, to Mark um, during this issue as well. So yeah, the uh, the relationship between his identities, I think, was a was a big thing here, and it, and as you said, Connor, it was fleshed out a little bit more. Um, yeah, which which again drives um, the crux of this issue towards the end. Um, how about uh, your next aspect, Connor? Actually, just to finish off, actually, mm-hmm. um, I just wanted to add. Um, I lost my point here. Let me just flick through the pages. No worries. Um, no. Uh, I've lost it, sadly. Oh, it's no. Gone. It's gone into the overvoid. Oh, no. Oh, wait. Yeah, no, actually, um, I do remember. Mm-hmm. I um, I actually really like the fact that, you know, Jake Lockley is almost like a sort of way to suppress his dark feelings. I think mm-hmm. that's kind of a cool idea. Yep. I don't like how it plays out in the end of, the end of this issue, which I'll get to mm-hmm. probably my next aspect. But I think it's a, I think it's a smart idea to begin with. And I think with that, you know, when it comes to the latter half of this issue, I think my next point will be Marlene and the scene at her house and how we think that was uh, handled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I think I think the the big next as- aspect would would be Marlene, like the introduction of her. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, this is the first time we've kind of, like, see her and, and she has a substantial part in the in the book. So, yeah, sorry, Connor, that was, um, yeah, I mean, I, I'd agree with you with that as in the, as in that being a, a major aspect of this, this issue. Yeah, so I think I'll just um, open up. Mm-hmm. I think this latter half was definitely the weakest part of the issue. I like the opening scene where um, the truth has that really well-written, charismatic side of... Um, Sun King, you mean? <laughs> so, God! Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. The Sun King. Yeah. God, running a Moon Knight podcast, can't even get that right. <laughs> of uh, the Sun King from the first issue and how mm-hmm. he sort of played... Um, uh, he played um, Dr. Emmett, uh, sort of play with her emotions with his sort of charismatic good side. I think that was great. And I think how Marlene handled that, she seemed really cool, calm, just living her own life. But I think in the end of the issue, she really is just kind of put in a damsel in distress position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, I, I, I suppose it does make sense, but it, it just kind of isn't the Marlene I know. Yeah. And 
I mean, it's 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 all about change, but it's just one of those changes that didn't feel entirely was for the better. And I think the big bombshell of Mark's kid just doesn't feel very Marlene to me, okay. especially since I, I, I don't know. I just feel like there's there was always more to her, her identity than Mark. Uh, well, more Stephen in this case, and it sort of just sort of reduces it to that one relationship. Yeah. And then her relationship with Jake Lockley, who technically is a personality she doesn't even like. Mm. And, you know, that sort of need for touch. Like, I kind of understand it, but it just didn't sit with me quite right. Just sort of... I, I, I kind of like the kid aspect. I think it's fun, comic booky nonsense that, mm-hmm. you know, kind of fits with the, with the you know, comedic flair that Beamer Springs that I do like. I think I'll put that across here, but it's just sort of... You know, it, it's kind of comic booky nonsense, but for Marlene as a character and how we've seen her over, you know, oh, what would it be, nearly uh, 30 years, years of history? Yeah. Over 30 years of history? Yeah. Just, I don't know, just wasn't... Yeah. Yeah, just wasn't, I don't it, know. It didn't, didn't feel Marlene. like... Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Look, I, I like to um, I like to be a little bit... Um, I like to take it uh, from another perspective and, and think that, look, you know, this hasn't played out totally yet. Um because, yeah, I mean, I've heard those comments as well about Marlene being the damsel in distress. I don't believe she totally is. I mean, at the moment, her, her situation where her house has been invaded by this weird guy, the Sun King and Bushman and his thugs, I mean, you got to play it. you got to play it smart, right? You know, she can't... And, and I mean, she, she does start to try and put up her jukes, you know, and, and um, really defend herself, Um when when they pick up the picture frame of um, you know what reveals to be herself and her daughter, so she's ready to fight, you know. But I think she just uh, and then she's obviously put in a situation where she has to call Mark and stuff. Um, I'd like to see it play out as well. I still have hope that Marlene, um, you know, is not portrayed totally as a as, as a um, um, helpless um, person that needs saving because you know you and I know as well that she. she in the past, it's she's been synonymous with with actually saving Mark himself. So so she's more than capable of herself. Um, I I believe there's probably something more to Marlene than um, than this. Um, but just at the moment in in the house when she her house is invaded, um, that yeah she she really has um, no option but to to maybe play along. So um, yeah, so I, I you know have a bit of faith in that. Yeah, your <laughs> faith in that. Yeah, Connor. Um, yeah, with the uh, with the daughter. Uh, yeah, um, I think uh, it was mentioned in one of the podcasts. I think uh, I think Levin thinks serious issues mentioned. Uh, every every superhero is having a child now. So, so yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh, but I do like this twist. And look, I see what's happening. Um, Bemis is what's he what he wants to do is that you have your physical um, enemies. You have Sun King and you have Bushman tackling Moon Knight. Um, and they're tackling him emotionally as well by attacking Marlene and uh, his daughter. But also as well, you have uh, a mental battle within. Um, so you have Mark battling Jake Lockley. So there's a, you know, it's, it's like almost like a love triangle there um, between Mark, Mark and, and Marlene. Um, you know, in fact, it's Mark, Jake and Marlene. So, um, you know, so it's 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 quite a bit of um, I think a bit of smart writing there from Bemis as to whether or not um, uh, and and how it kind of fits like with Moon Knight. I, I'd agree with you, Connor, as well. It, it, 
the, the, the second half of the issue and the fact that Marlene slept with Jake um, kind of rubs me up the wrong way as well. It, it doesn't seem quite right, you know, uh, especially since, um, yeah, especially since um, we know Marlene actually, she really prefers Stephen Grant more than anyone else. Um, so uh, to have Mark and Jake in, in this love triangle is a bit, is a bit strange. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah, um, um, and look, I'm interested to see what happens with, um, with the daughter. I think, um, yeah, I, um, I hope she, uh, it's pretty cool actually, like for Mark to have, have a daughter. I don't know. She's still quite young. Um, so, uh, whether or not, um, she'll forever remain a little, a little girl, <laughs> similar to, uh, I think, uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones's, although, She's kind of grown up a little. Uh, it's taken a while. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, yeah, the ending was uh, that. That was going to be like my um, my final aspect. Connor was the, the big twist at the end. Um, yeah. So uh, sorry about that cutting in. Yeah, sorry. Oh, I said sorry about that cutting in on you like that. Oh no 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 worries no that's cool it's uh you know there, there's a. Uh, Plenty of other things here to to, uh, to discuss, but um, yeah, that that's definitely one of the obviously it's one of the main main um, bits in this issue, the big reveal at the uh, at the end with the daughter. So um, we're kind of left with uh, I'm I'm actually I'm excited to see what you know what unfolds, but um, yeah, overall the issue I thought was um, yeah a little bit a little bit flat with stuff. Um, and uh, it goes beyond the four aspects that we mentioned, Connor. So I don't know. Did you, did you want to talk about any anything else in particular in this issue? I've got a couple of things. <laughs> got a couple of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I really um, you made a really great comment about this being, you know, not the end of this. Um, you know, this these are comic books. We're both blessed and almost sort of you know, sometimes a hindrance of them being monthly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm definitely not writing off these series, these past two issues, and there's still plenty I liked in this issue yeah. um, that, you know, makes me want to continue. Uh, and just... Um, sorry. Yeah, and just, you know, I didn't I didn't like this issue, but I think, like I said, I still like the ideas, and I think mm. Bemis can still very much pull it off. And, you know, we have the cover, which is a American gothic homage yes which uh seems exciting next issue is very much going to be very symbolic of burning the house down I yeah think a big fight's brewing maybe even more revelations um but yeah yeah for sure but i think if we were going to uh, just talk about i suppose something else before you bring up your notes and i mm-hmm. think i'll have a couple as well just um, Burroughs artist just continues oh, yeah. being amazing. Oh, that, that I think. Yeah, that's one of the defining things. I think that um, constantly just uh, enjoying his stuff. If I can just point out um, with Burroughs, like it's really cool how he sparingly uses um, his his horror element, like that um, that page where you see that vampiric uh, mark. Um, he draws a really hellish um, monster face. And uh, so it really does impact you when you see it because um, the main, you know, majority of the issue uh, are these just well-drawn human characters. Um, so, yeah, Burroughs art for sure. And, and again, Matt Lopez with the colours, just um, really, really fantastic, I think. He, he's gone for, um, I don't know what you call it. It's it's uh, less saturated, I guess, or, or something. It's slightly, the colours are slightly, um, yeah, less saturated. 
which uh, is a really good effect. Same. Yeah, they're certainly a lot brighter than the last few issues. The mm-hmm. last two issues. Yeah. Oh, yes, they are. Yeah, the the, the um, yeah, the, the color palette. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, Burroughs' art is just um, is just fantastic. He continues to do really well. Uh, yeah. So um, just notes, Connor. I thought look, the first one, and I wanted to get into it was was the um, was just the voicing. Um, I think you touched upon it earlier on. Uh, I, f- I found what I found uncomfortable with this issue and what I found didn't really work uh, was uh, Bemis hadn't really defined the voices to me enough. Uh, look, I think Sun King was fine. Um, I think I mentioned to you, Connor, as well, Bush King and Mark Spector and Jake Lockley um, and Conchu and and uh, the first two, like the Roman Moon Knight and the... The Crusade Moon Knight, they all kind of sound the same. Um, they all have that kind of irreverent, modern kind of lingo um, to them. And, uh, yeah, I just I just found that really kind of off-putting, especially with Bushman, um, because he was such a, a different character um, in the previous runs, uh, a very scary character. And here is almost... Um, uh, He's, he's reduced in a way. I mean, like when he says as well that, like, I'll admit to you that um, Moon Knight, Mark Spector scares the crap out of me. You know, you, you would never expect someone like like Bushman to say something like that. Someone who themselves is quite tough and and uh, they're quite hardened. Um, so yeah, yeah, I found the voicings a bit a bit strange. Um, yeah, yeah. What what did you think, Connor? I think you are 100% on the money, and I think harkening back to some, uh, something Andrew Levin said on his podcast, Serious mm. Issues, mm-hmm. Siobhan Coombs, check it out. Yes. I'm sort of plugging that, I suppose, since I'm <laughs> stealing his point. Um, I actually think your point about vo- uh, voices makes me feel Bushman's kind of wasted a bit. Yeah, yeah. I think... That's how I feel, yeah. I think... Yeah, I think the revelation possibly... I sp- maybe it could have had the same impact with uh, just the Sun King, um, but it, it just doesn't seem like Bushman achieved that achieves you know that much as a character here. You said you know mm. that weird concept of him being scared. He's sort of more jokey, yeah. weirdo manner compared to his you know crazy frantic um, you know warlord days. Yeah, sort of fits you know very very well into the niche that the Sun King has is this weird resurrected God and this mm. um, poor kid's body. And it's just, it, it, it just really, it, it just really feels like there's almost no need for Bushman to be there. You know, mm. this issue really just boils down to the big revelation. You know, they, they bring everyone around, you know, the truce there with this awesome, awesome power. And in the end, it just boils down to Bushman sort of finding the kid. And it, it just, kind of just wanted it to be the truth as well and we mm. wouldn't have that sort of clashing of voices it feels very much like almost they've just sort of split the one character into having the sun king and bushman for this arc and it just yeah yeah it just didn't really make bushman that appealing a character here no i, I think also as well um just chatting with uh the wayno um who who's in our group as well and and uh the host of Courtside Podcast, another little shout out. <laughs> um, but Wayno was saying as well that he he felt that this issue felt very much like you know like a Spider-Man comic again. You, you know that that's such a change in tone, 
and not what, what he was expecting from, from a Moon Knight comic. And I can kind of see that in Bushman, like when he's kind of almost a caricature of himself um, or, or, yeah, just a, a parody basically of himself. Um, so, uh, yeah. Uh, and what I wanted to also mention, Connor, as well, is that, so you mentioned, um, and this one I didn't make sense on the second reading. So when they're addressing the crowd of people that have um, been done bad by, by Moon Knight, um, Bushman says, you know, I've got, you know, I've got a little card up my sleeve that will really hurt Mark where he, know, you know, where he will he'll hurt the most. Um, and when I first read it, a second, when I read it again, I thought, okay, okay, so he's referring to, he knows, he knows about Mark's daughter, right? Is that, that that's what you're thinking as well, Connor? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think no? he's just okay. referring to Marlene, actually. Okay, well, that makes he sense. He seems yeah, just yeah. as shocked as uh, um, the Sun King is when he finds out about yeah, yeah. Um, their well, daughter. Yeah, okay, well, that that's where I was going to, because he does seem shocked when he sees a, the picture frame. So, um, okay, so it's more like Marlene um, that he knows, because he can't possibly know... Well, he can't, he can't possibly know about Marlene's affair with Jake Lockley as well, so it must be just Marlene... Uh, which is a pretty pissy um, <laughs> ace up his sleeve, you know. Uh, he he's tangled with Marlene before, so you know why all of a sudden is she the, you know, the golden goose that will break Mark Spector? I mean, it's yeah. So yeah, so I, I found that a little problematic. Maybe I'm misreading that, Loonies. Um, please write in if uh, if uh, I've thought incorrectly. Um, yeah. Uh, any other notes, there, Connor, for yourself? Uh, just flicking through the issue, um, mm-hmm. I thought the humor really. I think I, I thought humor oh, was pretty. I, I, I like the touch with the dog and the little lady in the park and Mark screaming. Like, I like those little touches of humor. I think I think they're pretty cool. Uh, you, you know, when Mark's meditating and he's shouting at himself. Yeah, I think that's pretty. That was pretty funny. Um, yeah, I th- that's definitely just yeah, just a point I want to reinforce. I really like. Once again, Bemis's idea is Bemis's comedy, but it just sort of whiplashed with the story as well. Yeah, like yeah, kind of yeah. two great things that don't don't possibly fit together. Yeah, um, it's almost as if not sure what sort of book or what sort of issue this is meant to be. Like, yeah, is it meant to be funny? Totally. Yeah, is it like it's you know, a great way of putting it. Yeah, um, because the first two, I think, I think were quite well defined. Like we knew what it was. Issue two had um, or. Issue one eighty nine had a bit of humor in there as well, but I think that was that was fine. You know how he said um, the truth hurts. You know that was such a bad joke, but uh, yeah, yeah, it, it seemed to work. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, you're right, Connor. It just the whiplash of it was um, pretty bad. So yeah, I guess that leaves us to the Crescent Art ratings. Yeah. Okay. Well. Um, so, having said all that, and, um, you know, and I, I want to stress as well that, you know, Connor and, and my opinions are very much of our own as well, and, uh, you know, if, if you enjoy this issue, then that's fantastic. You know, the great thing about these, about comics in general, is you can take what you like from it. Um, but, yeah, th- this issue just wasn't really for me. Um, the only thing I, I, I guess that I'm really excited about is... Um, well, two things. One is Marlene, the return of Marlene, because uh, I really do like her as a character, so it's good to see her back. Um, but actually, um, I'm quite, uh, yeah, quite intrigued and curious about um, 
about Mark's daughter now. Um, everything else um, with uh, with Marlene having an affair with Jake Lockley um, and the lineage and all that, um, I really, yeah, I'm pretty, um, yeah, it didn't really rate as high. So I'd give it, uh, look, I'd give it a two and a half Crescent Darts out of, uh, out of five, I think. Right, smack bang in the middle. Um, yeah, how about yourself, Connor? Yeah, that's that's totally fair. I think, yeah, it just it just I think you just captured it so well when you spoke about this book, like not really knowing what it wants to be, and the clashing of Bemis's two sides. When I think the most disappointing part of it was just how much clarity and focus there were in those previous two issues. Like I think mm-hmm. I still think one eighty eight is just like just this masterpiece of a oh, first I think issue. So it's a like really grounded, contained, you know, story. And then issue 189 was a perfect reintroduction. Mm-hmm. And it just feels it's sort of... Now that they've got the introductions out of the way for the Sun King and Moon Knight, Bemis doesn't quite know what... Like, he does know what to do with it, but I suppose he just doesn't know which way to take it. Yeah, And we sort of see the... You know, all this crazy stuff coming up. And I think... I'm definitely intrigued, but this this issue is just definitely sort of changed expectations in a way of like, mm. will this be a series that becomes my Moon Knight again after this issue? And like you mm-hmm. said, this is just the first half of a yeah. of a story in the next issue where I'll read, you know, I'll see the next issue and be like, oh, of course, all those points in this issue were like 